Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at a huge weekend of semi-final action in both the URC and the Premiership. Then we'll be looking ahead to the finals for both competitions and speaking with Stormers head coach John Dobson. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed to Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. How's your weekend, lads? All good. Really? Yeah, very good. Well, I need to rewind. Why question? I was impressed with you last week. You always say that. Uh, no, I am. I am. Because I haven't heard enough moaning. And I'll okay. be honest and tell you why. We chat a lot, most days, right? Via message or on the phone or whatever. And for the millions of listeners, last week on, was it Wednesday? I don't know where you're going. A lot's happened since Wednesday. <laughs> I think it was Wednesday. Jim, we're on the phone. He's like, mate, I've got to go. I said, oh, why? He goes, I've got to go and do the school run because the missus has gone down to London for two nights. I said, what? And she's left you with all four kids. And she's like, yes. Mate, you did two days with four kids on your own. No moaning. I, d- I was waiting a weekend for, oh, fucked. I've had the kids on my own, this and that. I was amazed. It was actually three. It was three days. Three? Three days. Super dead. <sighs> well, you know, some might say a lot of shouting. A lot of shouting. <laughs> but we're at the stage now. I just walked past someone in the street. And got talking, hadn't seen him for years, forgot his name, so obviously don't know him that well. And, you know, he's just talking shit with someone in the street, just trying to move away from Ruggers. Who was that? Ruggers, I don't know. Dave? Mate of a mate. Let's call him Steve. Steve, there we go. And saying to him that as the world was opening up, locked down for two years, four kids, twins, bit a bit hectic, where now I feel like things are opening up for me and Beck, as in, in life. (laughs) Thought you, you go somewhere else then? No, no, we've got four kids. Nothing else is <laughs> opening up. What is opening up? Our life. Look, I've had a lot of good experiences, right, over the last few years as a rugby player with rugby pass and travelling, with the rugby pod doing live shows. It's been awesome. While Beck's been at home with the kids. While Beck's been at home with the kids, right? So she's still young. She's 35. I don't want to say she looks 50, but she doesn't. <laughs> Mate, you she canny. doesn't. She doesn't. You can say. No, but hey, you could say. You've gone for the younger girl as well. You could, well, you know, not that much younger. I'm not even 40 yet. You but you 40 could soon. say that women, like, and we've had this debate in our house, 
age quicker than men. And that's just, that's not me saying that. That's I, like a scientific I, I, fact. I, in my house, I very much disagree. <laughs> my missus looks 10 years younger than me. But that's weight. But I, we, and yeah, but you're adding age. layers of like complexities. Like, as in anyone who's got weight on them looks older, just generally. <laughs> Why are you being weightist? How are we getting to this? Because I'm just trying to talk my missus up and saying that basically the world's opening and now she's been at home for 11 years, effectively. Obviously, she's had great experiences, but... We're getting out to do more together. What do you mean? Obviously, she's had great experiences. Has she actually? Because she's been looking after four kids while you've been having great experiences. This she year. was That's watching her husband as a professional <laughs> athlete <laughs> take the rugby world by storm. Like, so she's had great experiences, hasn't she? But not in terms of going traveling, going on mad parties and stuff like that. Neither have I. No, neither have I. You went to Dubai twice. Yeah, but you know what? You know what I'm Hong trying Kong to say. Hong Kong four as times. In, yeah, as in me. Yeah, as in me. Look, we're going to New York next week. Is, is what I'm trying to say. It's our ten-year wedding you're anniversary. Take, you're taking it to New no, York next yeah, week. No, not the kids. Just back. Just me and back. Nice. Yeah. Did you say it's your ten-year anniversary? Yeah. Wow. I know. Congratulations. Wow. What's ten years? I know what it is. It really? I genuinely know what it is. Go on then. Ten. Ten. Give really? her a bit of tin. It's give, ten. Give her a good tin in. What? Well, no. You have to have ten around. I don't know. But Bex told me that this is the case. <laughs> so. She's big on the 10 year, and I'm just happy to go to New York, spend a bit of time together. Well, you might be in trouble by the time you get the plane next week. Why? Because as much as you said you were trying to talk her up on here, you said she's 35, but she looks 50. No, I don't, I don't I think that is talking can look 50. <laughs> she's aged very well. I mean, she's only young. She's 35. With the 10 anniversary, do you get them a prison, or like, how does that work? Do you have to buy them like a can of baked beans or like what do, what do you actually see where it's going because I've got yeah, <laughs> I've got a guy who can get it for you no what, what what do you do when you think tin what's the first thing that comes to mind go sweet corn tin cat food hat tin hat yes yes yes. so what do you mean yes you went with no, no, that's tin so much, cat food which is way better I'm, I'm saying yes good on that's way more creative tin hat I can't think of anything else for get me it. tin hat Goody how was your weekend mate you in similar situation with you know Looking after the missus, what's happening? She looks after herself pretty well, my missus. But um, what was my what was, what was going on the weekend? We're obviously a day later now, so there's a lot that's gone on. Uh, what did we do? Saturday I was at Leicester. Friday we're out with the kids. Saturday up at Leicester. Tell the atmosphere that, and we'll it get onto real. Yeah, we'll get onto the ruggers in a minute. But I mean, obviously a few things around that were, were great. Pretty much, you know, you plan your local rivals. A bit of banter in the corporate lounges. We're going to call it the Andy Good Suite, I think, from next season, possibly. Really? Oh, You've made that full transition since Wasps haven't made Europe. They're in Europe, Wasps are. The big one. <laughs> They're in the challenge. But it might be both ends of the M69, aye, aye. Uh, there might be the Andy Good Suite at Leicester and the Andy Good Suite at Wasps. But yeah, I was up there. It was quite good fun. Giving a bit of bant to the Saints fans. Don't think I'll be invited there after what I said at the weekend. What was said? Oh, just how shit they've been over. There's this big rivalry, right? Leicester, geographical rivalry between Leicester and Northampton. And you're on stage having a bit of banter, giving them a bit of stick. And there was about, there's probably 10% of the fans in the room were Saints fans. So you just get stuck into cheap laughs, don't you? you just get Related. Into, yeah. yeah they, I use that one. Very small gene pool. <laughs> Mentioned the all-you-can-eat Chinese that I've absolutely destroyed in Northampton a few times. They, they knew which one it was. But yeah, it was, mate, the atmosphere there was unbelievable. You know, spine tingling to hear the teams come down the steps. I mean, it took you back a bit, bouncing down the steps in big games. But then the minutes applause for, and um, we'll talk about Tiff Youngs and the Youngs family, it was just massively moving. Try not to look at the big screen where BT Sport were doing their best to get the atmosphere. But also, it's really hard because obviously you've got Ben Youngs there 
and you know all eyes are going to be on him he's obviously you know part of the family and he was holding back the tears and the emotion in the stadium was phenomenal Tom was there with his family as well and some friends and I don't know whether and we'll get into the ruggers in a bit but Leicester didn't start the game that well again did they don't know whether the emotion of everything that's gone on the week affects them a little bit. It must have. It, it I, I'm done. watching that and I watched it as a replay because I was travelling back from the studio in Dublin and I thought it would have been incredibly tough. Yeah. Not just for, obviously, Ben and obviously Tom and everyone involved that are closely related, but I think just for everyone. Mm. You know, like the build-up for a couple of weeks before where Young Z ran the ball out and yeah I think it just it, it must have been an incredibly tough day yeah. for everyone involved yeah. so obviously our thoughts are with Tom and the Sands family and everything that went out there and so I didn't really know what to say when I heard the news we knew it was imminent but yeah, very sad yeah it is and they've got their testimonial this year and you know as as they know and the listeners might not be aware that their testimonials running this year will support it myself and Goody obviously the rugby pod as well. So I'm sure we'll get onto the game, but yeah, just incredibly tough build up. Yeah, it really was. It's a hard thing to, you know, talk about that on the podcast and then go into talking about the game. But I guess like from a player's perspective, it would be even harder to be in that emotional state and then go on to play a game, wouldn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And the two games were so different and emotionally charged. I think from a Leicester standpoint, and I don't I don't know but I'm just presuming from watching it on TV and not being in the stadium is that the emotional aspect to that, the fact that it was a semi-final, Northampton, you know, Dan Bigger made some heartfelt comments in the lead up to the game. So I imagine it just felt a little bit different. I don't think anyone can really understand the emotion for Ben Youngs to be in that position and play a game a few days later and put his hand up and say he wanted to play. And it, you think about the sacrifice that Ben Youngs has had to make through his own choices to support his family. You know, he didn't go on the Lions tour, didn't go on two Lions tours effectively because he wanted to be there for his, his brother and Tiff and Maisie, the daughter. Obviously, Jim and I know people that are close to them. Crofty is, is very close to them. He, you know, he's married into the family as well. He's married one of the cousins, hasn't he? Dan Cole's married one of the cousins as well. And so it's not just affecting one or two people, it's affecting a, a whole bunch of people. Um, and it's it's incredibly sad. But you can't really judge as an outsider what these guys are feeling and how much it affects them uh, in the lead up to a game. Hugely inspirational to see Ben Young's wanting to play the game, but it's incredibly difficult. And the start of the game was Tetchy for Leicester. Is that a bit of the emotion? Is that a bit of similar to what happened uh, against Leinster? in those first 20 minutes where they were slightly off the pace and Leinster took advantage of everything and they made a few errors. Saints were damn good in that first 20, 25 minutes and should have been comfortably ahead. Luckily for Leicester, you lent your hands to corner Skozan, didn't you, Jim? My old dildo hands. Oh, my Skozan. A case of almost missed opportunities for Saints, wasn't it? Well, end of an era for Saints now with Chris Boyd leaving. How long has he been there? It doesn't feel like he's been four there. Four years. Long. Four years. Really? Yeah. yeah four Just years. This podcast has been going a long time. I remember exactly. announcing that he's coming over. I know. But I think with Northampton, they didn't sneak in. I know we didn't speak about them on air, did we? But they've played an awesome brand of rugby. They've got a huge England contingent, young coaches now with Douse and Sam Vesti taking the reins. Great club to watch. Well supported. Of course, it's a missed opportunity. The thing is with this top four, and we spoke about it with Gloucester coming in fifth and how well they've done this season. 
it's a bloody long season to make it mm. into the top four and again being a little bit of a traditionalist and like they do in football finishing top of the league arguably you should win but the top four makes it a lot more interesting for us to talk about commercially very good one-off games that we get we saw in the semis but really it's good to see one and two in the final but I think Northampton been well worth their money this year well supported club and they're, they're awesome to watch. It's interesting you talk about the playoffs. The playoffs have been in now for, I think it's 21 years. 21 years? Yeah. I think initially it was top eight or something. I think that was 2001. It used to be you'd get a trophy for winning the league. You won the league. But then, hey, here we're going to do this other competition off the back of the league positions. I think it, the first one was top eight or something. I played in it. Top eight is too much though. Yeah. It? And, then it, and then it got whittled down to top three. Whoever finished top went straight to the final, second played third the week before the final. Yeah. And it's evolved now yeah. into the top four. So it's been around for 20, 20 years odd or years. Yeah. Right. God, I've aged. <laughs> Not well when it's been that long. Yeah. But yeah, yeah listen, you, you talk about Saints. They had, and, and Jim says it is an end of an era with Chris Boyd leaving, who's, uh, I think, a brilliant coach. The players that they produced through that academy and the likes of Dingwall, Freeman, Furbank as well, who didn't play at the weekend. But. They play a, an unbelievable brand of rugby on the front foot. Sam Vesti's the backs coach. I was watching him closely at Welford Road on Saturday. He did it again. Slipped it in. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's gone finger up the nose. Straight you can't change a person when they pick the nose and eat it. I Maybe, said that to my lad. I was like, you carry on doing that. I was like, that is with you for life. I'm telling you now, people who pick the nose and eat it, it's their go-to. It's a like a tick. Monster. Once a bogey monster, always a bogey <laughs> yeah. monster. It becomes a bit of a tick. So but, when he's nervous... And he was obviously pick. nervous because he was home. Yeah, he's having a pick. But yeah, they play a, a fantastic brand of rugby. You saw that in that first half. They made a couple of breaks. Freeman's ridiculously good, I think. Dingwall as well. Really exciting young players. Big lads as well. Powerful. They, they got the fend out on George Ford once when they make a good break up the side. If only Skosen could catch. There was a real simple 2v1 that Mitchell gave him. And he's he's got a jogging, effectively. Andy Rowe, I think even you could have scored that try. Could I? I th- in That's a nice suit. thing to say. In your <laughs> suit, uh, back in... What, what do you work in now? Recru- recruitment. I'm a, podca- I'm a podcaster. Oh, okay. Back in recruitment, IT, hospital, whatever it is. You look good in your suit. I reckon you could have ran it in with those shoes on from Clark's. You could Skidded have run it in. in. But yeah, and that's the big thing. They create a lot of stuff. You, know, you go back to the crossfield kick from Bigger, puts the little dink in. And I think it was Freeman on the edge who kicked it through. And then Skoza knocks that one on as well. They created so much. Semi-finals and finals, you've got to take... You know, Leicester haven't lost at home in the Premiership this year. They've won every game in the Premiership. By hook or by crook, and we might talk about the, the Saracens game a bit later on. But when you're playing a team that's not lost at home all, all year and you have three or four clear-cut opportunities and you take none of them, you ain't going to win a semi-final. And that, that was the difference, really, for Saints. We'll talk about the other two tens that are probably going to go to Australia shortly with England but let's talk about Ford and his impact on the game how good was it any room on the plane for him at all well because me and Goody love our ruggers and we had to talk about it after I was like how good was Ford Goody begged to differ yeah first 50 minutes I thought he was poor really Gen- genuine thought he was poor in the first 50 minutes Why? missed a couple of tackles Bigger was outshining him completely and someone asked me before the game who would you rather have as your 10 in a team whether it's at club level, international level, British and Irish Lions, whatever, bigger or Ford. And I was, I, th- I sat and thought about it, and it was bigger every time for me. The last half an hour of the game, Ford stepped up. From my perspective, it looked like he played class when they were on the front foot. Oh, he's always doing that, yeah. Mm. On the front foot, he's brilliant. I've always said that about George Because I'd say he's the best 10 in the Northern Hemisphere on the front foot. Better than Smith? In terms of 
pure distribution. I mean, the different facets of the game. Smith will skin anyone like he skinned Owen Farrell at the weekend. George Ford, his distribution on the front foot. And that's what I judge a 10 on. I don't necessarily judge a 10 on the fancy down stepping and going through and the, getting the goose out because I could never do it. I didn't think he was at the races in the first 15 minutes. Last half an hour of the game, he stepped up and, you know, they win the game and he, he was a massive part of that. Ended up getting man of the match. Goody, we all know you've got a man crush on bigger. Beautiful man. Yeah. How do you feel when he went off at 50? So when he went off, and I hate to say this, he went off injured, right? And I'm a Leicester fan now, effectively, and uh, an employee, technically. And I was quite happy he went off. Not in the fact that I want to see Dan Bigger injured and going off the field. He was a massive influence on that game. And nothing against James Grayson. 50 minutes into the game, when Dan Bigger was pulling the strings like he was, it's a huge loss to Saints. And in a semi-final, when I'm not going to beat around Jim's bush, but I wanted Leicester to win, without a shadow of a doubt. Even though I've got a man crush on Dan Bigger, he's, you know, he's Mrs. Bakes Me Cakes... He's a fantastic rugby player. He's a lovely human being and he's very good looking um, if you're allowed to say all those things about someone now. But it was advantage Leicester when he went off and he puts himself very similar to Owen Farrell. He goes after it, doesn't he? he go, he's not scared of contact. He'll, he'll make tackles, he'll make hits, he'll take the ball to the line. So he's going to get knocked around a little bit. And we've seen that's the way Dan Bigger plays, right? But generally he gets back to his feet and soldiers on. But he got a decent whack in the first half uh, and eventually it put pay to his afternoon, which was... Definitely advantage Leicester because when he was on the field, Saints were in control. How big of a difference did the yellow card make? A, a monumental difference. Now, bearing in mind I'm a Leicester fan, wanted Leicester to win. I'm looking at that. Matt Carley's made the decision to Simbin Heffernan, 63 minutes in for... I'm looking at it as a seatbelt tackle. It's only just a penalty. Matt Carley's pulled his yellow card out. He tried to... He didn't force it through, but to me it seemed a bit rushed, like he didn't even want to listen to the TMO. It was a case of, oh, there's been swinging arm to the neck area, head area, I'm calling this a yellow card. If you're a Saints fan, you're absolutely raging. At the time, 63 minutes into the game, 16-14 to Leicester, Saints are in it, properly in it, and then obviously for the next 17 minutes, Leicester end up scoring 11 points to take the game away from, from Saints, which, don't get me wrong, I'm delighted about, but when you're looking at, and I've been there plenty of times this year on the podcast where I've said, what about this decision You know, against various teams? You've got to be honest, right? It's never a yellow card. Saints could feel massively hard done by. There weren't any shortage of yellow cards in the other game, was there? Well, if Matt Carley was refing, there might have been five or six reds. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. genuinely. I, I tell you what, bloody loved the build-up to Sarri's Quins. <laughs> I don't know how harsh to go with comments around this. Go harsh. If you're going to talk it up a storm, right? Who? Joe Marler. Why being horrible? If you're going to talk it up like that in the build-up, Fuck, you need to deliver. <laughs> Give us some context. So an article came out in the Times. Headline was sensationalised a little bit. Of course, that's 2022 mm. media. They spoke, and obviously we had Andre Esterhazen on last week. So it wasn't just Joe Marler, but him in this piece, but reverting back to Esterhazen's comments last week about the hatred towards Saracens. Mm. Big old word. Bloody loved it, right? So loved the build-up. Loved talking to Andre last week, how he was going to run at Farrell, and fucking holy smokes, did he? <laughs> but Marla's comments in the week just seemed a bit kind of snidey. Now, we know this history between Quinns and Saracens. We've spoken about it. I've been involved in that. That was where I didn't really like Quinns. From the bench? <laughs> I generally played because it was a game in which they thought they were going to walk. <laughs> Sorry. But you listen to Marla. I say you listen, you read, and I've got Marla's voice in my head talking about how the pitch is shit, Will Evans talking about the stadium. That, and obviously, they've probably been told that, or collectively, that's part of the approach, right? Is What are they had about the stadium, though? 
they're talking about how shit they've got no fans and the plastic pitch and there's harder stadiums to go to in terms of atmosphere Gloucester uh, harder stadium they've never won there uh, Andrew <laughs> now you're reeling it off right Harlequins have never won in the I Premiership know, but this is all added the Stonex aka the Allianz whatever you want to call it from history so I'm loving it I'm thinking here we go and I'm thinking if there's anyone you don't want to motivate like that it is Saracens Owen Farrell oh my shoulders mate he was ridiculously good and we'll get into that so enjoyed the build up right I say that Quinns didn't rock up. I didn't think Marler rocked up, really, in terms of how well he's normally played. And there could be a number of reasons for that. He was on the bench a couple of weeks ago. Maybe he knew that he wasn't going to be in the England squad. But they're ballsy comments to make. Will Evans, ballsy comments as well. Look, I don't want to jest. I don't know you know, what Joe Marler's going through in terms of the minute internationally. He also gave comments around retiring from rugby if he doesn't make the World Cup squad. So this isn't about me That's wise, though, taking that. the piss. Well, pick me, but he didn't get picked. So... He'll get picked. Of course he will. He's a quality player. But anyway, the two players that made the headline statements in the lead-up to that game, Joe Marler and Will Evans, were nowhere to be seen, speaking frankly. And that isn't me being horrible. That's factual. You know, Will Evans gave away three or four penalties within the first 40 minutes and got sat down by his opposite man, Ben Earl, in the, in the, in the lead-up to his trial when Ben Earl scored. He shushed the crowd, though. Did you, did you see that? He gave it the shh when they scored. He did. <laughs> Him and Danny Kerr. He did. I thought Danny Kerr was brilliant. He was. Very I would have been raging. Kerr. If I was playing in that game, I would have been absolutely raging with Danny <laughs> Kerr, as into the point where you'd want to uppercut the little shit. But I thought, to be fair to Quinns, they turned up in the first part of the game. 12-3 up, weren't they? 12-3 up. There you go. Marcus and Smith, the old step. Yeah. I, 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 well, that's the thing. It's kind of... Quinns are a hard team to work out because attacking-wise, we know they're very good and we saw in the game against Bristol's where you go 30 odd points behind they can still come back very rarely would we see them 12 through up against Saracens right mm. we think okay well Saracens will slowly chip away and Quinns might score a few tries which we thought might have been the case but they look comfortable in the first part of the game let me revert to my notes oh, oh here he notes. I know so much that happened it, how old is it it's an old is book it your it's an old book Saracens versus Quinns second versus third Stonex Luke Pierce, referee very good Marla and Will Evans comments pre-match. Ha, Esther Hazel on the podcast. Not ha, because we like him. Shit pitch, shit stadium, hate, despise. These were words that were used. <laughs> so I set the narrative. Good notes. In my book, yeah. Quinn's out the box, very good. Don Brandt, driving line out. Should have been held up. Scored. He did score. Should have been held up. Ben Earl, phenomenal. Ironically, sat Will Evans and Marla down. He didn't sit Marla down, but he kind of did. Let's just say he did. Spiral bomb from Farrell. Ridiculous. Jack Walker, yellow card. Obvious for me. Uh, Farrell, no HII question mark. My point <laughs> being right. I love Jim's notes. We Great should notes. do a segment on Jim's notes. We spoke about them before. Farrell offloads to Topkins. Wow. Unreal. <laughs> Developed his game so much. <laughs> I love the side comments. <laughs> so, <laughs> half time, 15-12. So, but Goody said, you go 12-3 up and then you go in half-time, 15-12. And so much happened in that game. And Luke Pierce listens to the podcast, right? How good is town? He's just had a week in Santorini. He looks phenomenal. First time I've seen him flustered. I think it was all too much for everyone. The players, the referees. Like, it was just that fucking chaotic. High shots were going in. You say grabbing and a bit of handbags. Like, it was a little bit more than that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, you say it's a little bit more. A few things on, on Luke Pierce, on his decisions. I thought he pretty much got them all bang on. I think Lozovsky's could have been a red. I think Loz's should I think have been it a red. Should, should have been a red. 
Uh, but you weren't even going to give a yellow. Sure, yeah, no. So that's my point where... Sean Robinson got sent off for something very similar a couple of weeks ago for Falcons. But the rest of them... So Walker's won in the first half. Should have been a red as well. If you're oh, going I based thought, on... I, I didn't think he got him on the head straight away. I thought it was a secondary contact. I thought he was... Maybe. I, I don't, does that even matter now if it's a secondary contact? He was out of control. Well, he was similar it, to Loza. Yeah, but if, you, if you're listening and hit uh, to the referees when they're talking, they look for uh, the initial point of contact. Elliot Daly's right call, yellow card. Billy Vanapola's right call, yellow card. Billy's face when he went off, he wasn't happy, was he? He didn't agree with it. I mean, there has been a shift, though, isn't there? So if Carly's yellow card in, Heffernan for, for a, that. Yeah, for a seatbelt. Seat belt, and they are fucking proper collisions, right? Yeah, I mean... The ones that we're talking about there. Billy's one it on... It was a war, Esther Hazen. Esther Hazen. My goodness me. I mean, who sits Billy down? Well, <laughs> Esther Hazen, after being on the podcast, he does. <laughs> like, as in, if that's a yellow... Yeah. Right, so if we're talking about the Prem and framework then they're red cards with long bands. I don't believe they should be, but I felt that Luke Pearce was slightly flustered in the chaos because he was going to not even yell a card, Lotto. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I know what you mean. It's like Luke Pearce is the very best. Yeah. I just, it felt like, and it, not an impossible challenge, but I think that summed up the emotion in that game. Because there was so much going on. Yes. And there was, you know, sometimes you're, as a ref, it's tough. You actually want a scrap to develop early in the game and go right bin one bin the other anymore and it's done but it just niggled the whole game didn't it there was Matt Simmons in there he, he loves a grab doesn't he Matt Simmons Marrow's in there having a bit of a grab Farrell's in there the game was an unbelievable war the contacts I'm looking at it Ben Earl sitting boys down he was ridiculously good I thought best seven in England him or Curry nah, Jack Willis but will Eddie pick Willis. him as a seven this is the thing like Ben Earl is so good ball in hand he's really good over the ball as well as a fetcher, I'll tend to agree with you. On form right now, he's the best seven in England. Ballsy statement. You can get him to play like that. The effects that he had on the game, he's one of the best sevens in the world. For 25 grand a game, I'm sure you ask him, do you want to play like that for England? I reckon, <laughs> I reckon he can. What about the 10 v 10 battle? Well, I mean, let's be brutally honest. Farrell is an absolute animal, isn't he? But I don't think I've ever say, seen him play this good. No. Have you? Uh, Obviously no. means business. Like, it's the business end of the season... He is hitting boys, apart from when Marcus Smith stepped him. And back in the day, when I'm playing at Leicester, if that was me, I'm blaming the open side flanker on the inside. And then I looked, it used to be Neil back and his wig was hanging off and he was like, Goody, that was your tackle. I was like, yes, back here it was, I'm sorry. Faz, he gets stepped on the inside and Marcus Smith would have loved it. That's when they all went shushing the crowd. But you show me a bounce back. Okay, Farrell, people look at it and go, oh, Farrell missed the tackle. He'd have been raging that Marcus Smith stepped him. Knowing, and you know what a competitor he is, knowing how everyone's talking about Marcus Smith England's future at 10 and does Farrell even get in the mm. team at 10 or do you pick him at 12? He came back with a hell of a statement you know, on how he played. Every collision, every contact. That offload. Yeah, the offload to Tompkins, who again was just getting angry. <laughs> He's an angry little sod, isn't he? We mm. talked about him on here. Maybe he needs to wind it in a little bit. But that was test match, test match ruggers, how he was playing. And he did get away with a little punch to the face of Joe Marchant, if everyone saw that. Did we see that one? Yeah, it was Stra a bit of an uppercut. Straight in front of the touch judge. Luke Pearce missed it. Why? It's the they complained to the touch judge. That's well, why TMO no, no, no. Andy saw it, and TMO Andy would have been in there. But also, Joe... Oh, pause the game, pause the game. <laughs> we have an incident. But Luke wouldn't engage with Joe Marchant. No. Joe Mar Marchant told him, and he didn't want to. But yeah. I can understand why, because everyone's chirped in. Can you yeah. imagine? How hard. You're dealing with Danny Kerr, every single scrum. Yeah. You're like, you could have pinged him Marrow. every single scrum. You've got Marrow whooping and hollering left, right and centre. You've got Nick Tompkins screaming at him. You know, Faz is doing what he's doing, taped up ears, bleeding, head bleeding. 
Terry Butcher. Terry Butcher, right <laughs> Terry there he Butcher. was. What yeah, a ledge. Yeah, I thought Faz was unbelievable. How you can tackle like that, right, when you know you've got history of tackling like that, yeah. like an inch higher, he is going round, upright Bill, absolutely <laughs> fucking obliterating people. Yeah. And you're that close to getting sent off. It's, it was just, it was more than, it was just more than a semi-final. That's what I felt. I know we're, it's a bit premature, but can we talk about who you would want it at Farrell and Smith at 10 or 12 or that combination or what you would put in there, Goody? What I'm going to say right here, right now, is with the selections that Eddie Jones has got for this summer, all the centres are knackered. I say all the centres. His first two choice centres, Slade and Manu are knackered. They're not going to Australia. So you play Farrell at 12. That's the easy one. For, it's an easy get out now for Eddie Jones this summer. If you rewind the clock back to November, I'm picking Marcus Smith every day of the week. But Farrell was injured. He, since he's come back from his injury, he's been on ridiculous form. But then you've got to look at combinations when you're picking it. At the minute, centres-wise, I like Atkinson, but he's not giving him a chance. So is he going to pick him? Probably not. You know, what other centres are there in the, in the squad? Marchants are 13. You look at other 12s around, and I, I don't know whether I'm forgetting anyone at the minute, but... I, I think it's fault rather than design. Yeah. I'm with you. But I, I think for me, as it stands now, if there was a World Cup final or a Lions series decider, you'd go with Faz. I think the level that he's managed to find himself at the minute, defensively from a leadership point of view, but he's offloading... Mm. I don't. I don't remember him being that good at offloading. He fucking worked on it over injury. Now, of course he has. <laughs> of course, get better every day and do left hand offload, right yeah. hand offload, five hundred a day, and <laughs> great strides for team. Get better being back in hand throwing it again. I don't even think it's comparable. No. I, I, ju- I think the golf is that big between him and Smith at the minute. I just his yeah. Fo- yeah, his form's great. I think they'll go ten and twelve in the summer against Australia. But it'll be interesting, you know. And, and again, the way Eddie Jones sets up the England team, it's set up for Faz to play ten. The way we play, you know, risk averse, kick a lot in our own half, all that stuff. But he didn't let Marcus Smith play the Marcus Smith way, did he, in the Six Nations? And so Farrell's the man at the minute. So again, the yellow card's making another impact in this game as far as like people, the amount of people that were on the field and off the field. Yeah, and that was the big difference when you look at it. Quinns go down to 14, Sarri score two tries yeah. when Walker goes off. And that's a turning point in terms of the balance of the game with Quinns starting off so well. And then you flip reverse that, Sarri's going down to 13, and Quinn's come away with one try. It and took a while to score that as well. And the amount of work that it took to sc- And that was, for me, where I was like, actually, there's the difference. And I just think, because Saracens are so comfortable in defence, and tweeted about it, comfortable in chaos. Could you with the coaching terms? Mm. I know. Is, that, is that a coaching term? Of course it, mate. You haven't thought that up well yourself. Now. You haven't thought that I'll up tell yourself. You now, <laughs> I thought that up myself. No, who's, who's giving me that? Mate. No coach has talked to me anymore. <laughs> That's what my coach is out on. That's what I'd say. We're comfortable in chaos. Put it down. Yeah, I think that that was it. I think for Quinns, you talk about missed opportunity. Saracens went down to 13 men. Yes, you had pressure, you just couldn't convert it. And that's the difference. Saracens were clinical when they were down to, Quinns were down to 14 men, took the chances, scored a couple of tries. Quinns took forever. It felt like a long time for Cade Murley to score that try. And then they made errors. Don Brandt knocked it on from a, a quick tap, didn't he? And there's so much pushing and shoving and hollering and marrows. I don't know how they shook hands after. Like, it felt that poisonous. <laughs> Ruggers, mate. I know. Hashtag values and all that. Rugby values and family and everything. But... 
Yeah. Def- it's a quality game. Yeah, defensively, they were huge. Do the Saracens players know that Saracens are so unlikable? The way that they... Why, why, why are you being horrible? They, they are unlikable. Are they the way unlikable? that they carry on on the field with the whooping of Hollery. Like, it's the, unlikable. Yeah, but that's why... It's everyone now, isn't it? Yeah, they tell Quinn's I thought Quinn's were your team. You used to call them my Harlequins. earlier on until Marla came out with them comments about my team. <laughs> I realised watching that game at the weekend that... I'm Saracens till I die. Like I, I don't want to be biased. <laughs> what, about Leicester? what about Leicester or Gloucester? I, I am Leicester till I die. But in that game, <laughs> how I many was teams Saracens? till you die? I, I, play, I play for a lot of teams. Um, I would say two. You're really enough two teams. What about Gloucester? You told us many times on TV and on this podcast. I don't know whether anyone knows, but you captain Gloucester. Deep down, if you were to hold me to it, and there was a lie detector test, I would say it would be. My two most successful clubs, Leicester and Saris. <laughs> it would be. So Poor in the Gloucester fans. That game, they like you. We won the LV Cup. Broke me nose. Don't remember it because I was concussed. But I mean, who wants to win the LV Cup when you can win the Prem or Europe? <laughs> you know. But I realised how passionate I am about Saracens in the lead up to that game and watching them play the way that they did. And I understand your comments, right? I know people will be listening to this or watching it and be hating it because hmm. it could be twofold. One will be they feel like they deserve to have the championship stripped because of the salary cap, fine. The other one is what you said, the whooping and hollering. Don't really like it myself. A clip came out when me and Maro were playing together and I'm pushing him away from the whooping and hollering. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was. You were just telling you were owning him back then? What? Yeah, I was. Men- mental? Yeah, I was. I don't know why I paused. I was. <laughs> I didn't really like that. And look, I was a bit of a dirty player myself, so I did stuff that people wouldn't like pushing. You know, like we saw Marla push Mako in the back, which I didn't like watching, even though I did it myself. But I understand why people wouldn't like Saracens. For them, it's about energy within. And they kind of started the turnover at the scrum, everyone runs in, screaming and shouting. And I know the referees don't like it, obviously. Uh, people watching it don't like it. People will judge Marrow on them things because he's whooping and hollering. And I saw something on YouTube around ultimate shithousery or whatever, Marrow Toji, and it's him whooping and hollering. You and must grabbing. have made it on there, would you? Push someone in the back. I was in there pulling Marrow away. So oh, someone put on. a comment just said, look at this. Leader. Leader. <laughs> Jinx. But for Saracens their energy comes from within. They're not looking outside. They're not looking like a Gloucester or a Leicester or Northampton for the fans to help them. And that's how they build energy. So there's parts of me that don't like bits of it. I don't like the talking back to the ref. I've spoken about that. But the energy in which they create that kind of brotherhood, the wolf pack mentality is undeniable when it really matters. And coaches hat Jim, comfortable in chaos. And when Saracens are on, and this is what I messaged Deeks about, and he came back to me and said, well, no one thinks Leicester are going to win at the weekend. I think when Saracens are on, and we spoke about it when they hammer Gloucester at King's Home, I genuinely think at a premiership level, they're unplayable. Do you think they can be stopped? Leicester's been playing pretty well this season. They've got some big guns on that side as well. We're talking about a podcast that predicted... The ball's getting 30 points put on them. You said That's 30 points, You Jim. said 28, which is well, effectively Well, I reacted off you. I reacted off you. <laughs> it's a one-off game. Speaking to Deeks, and he don't give me much, apart from saying Saracens are comfortable in chaos. That was actually mine. Deeks, don't <laughs> use it. Imagine that being on the board in the lead-up. They don't think that anyone thinks that Leicester can win. Is that true? I don't want to... Just because I've convinced myself or I'm saying that Saracens are unplayable doesn't mean that that is the reason. It's a one-off game. It's at Twickenham. Leicester have been the best team all season. I'm looking for someone to convince me otherwise that Saracens can't win because I feel Leicester and Saracens play similarly. Borthwick at the helm of 
Leicester, former Saracen, the kicking game under Richard Wigglesworth. What percent of possession do you think Leicester kicked at the weekend? 62. That's a guess. I don't know. I don't know. 75% of their possession they kicked. But there you go. So if you go based on that stat alone, right, because that's how they've built their season up. Defence, driving line out under Borthwick, kicking game under Richard Wigglesworth, but also Borthwick understanding that that's the framework of how you win games. Yeah. And you can get into the top four and then any given day, any given Sunday. Games on Saturday? Mm. Yeah, yeah, but any given Sunday sounds so much yeah, better. It does. Yeah. The games are game adventures, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Mate, you're firing me up now. Mm. Comfortable in chaos. So Do on, you ain't made that, let's be honest. I swear to yeah. God. I fucking swear. I've, I've heard that so many times. Where? On TV, from coaches, Where? in the media. Or it's just it's a common no. known saying in ruggers. I'm ingrained. And you're trying. In you're your trying brain. to. You're literally trying to copyright that. Stamp it. Comfortable in chaos. But on that kicking Hashtag stat, Jim Hamilton. On the kicking stat, that's where you have to look at in terms of how they play. And I think Saracens are a better version of Leicester in all them things. Yeah. And then you look at the profile of the team, and you can maybe talk about the backs. So you look at Macavonapola, Ellis Genge. Okay, cornerstones of the scrums. Ardenard. Ardenard, I'd say Genji might just outweigh Mako slightly because yeah. Mako's still giving away a few penalties at scrum time. Montoya, Hooker, Jamie George, nothing in it. Both brilliant. Vincent Cock, I'd say, especially with that line break at the weekend. But against Coley, obviously he's not directly against Coley. But on the in terms of the profile. Tell, tell Leicester scrum that. And tell, the, the, the one area, yes. and we'll get into it, the one area that I think Leicester have a huge advantage over. And this sounds crazy because you've got Mako Vanapola, Jamie George, and Vincent Cock. Vincent Cock, World Cup winner, 2019 South African starting tighter prop. We all know how good Jamie George is. You know, he's got a ridiculous amount of England caps. He's a brilliant player, good scrummager. Leicester have got a massive advantage, I think, at set-piece time, scrum time especially. Saracen's line-out, you've got Jamie George, England hooker. You've got Maratoji, England second row. You got Tim Swinson, best Scots who have ever done it in the second row after Jim Hamilton. Thank you, mate. You're welcome. Line out time, Saracens have struggled. Struggled as well. So the two things where you're gonna pick out when you're looking at the game going, everyone thinks as as Brett Deacon has said, most people or everyone outside of Leicester will think Saracens are gonna win this. If I had to put my money on who I think are gonna win the game, not who I want to win, because that's a given, right? Even though I play for both clubs, do you reckon I can get back into? No, I no. don't think. I don't think Saracens <laughs> want you close to them anymore. Um, associated. But what I will say, if I was a betting man and I, and I was going to put some money on, I'd, I'd back Saracens in terms of just thinking where's your your money safer in terms of a win. But when you start unpicking it, set piece is a huge factor, and Leicester have got a massive set piece. Borthers would love nothing more than he's the ultimate lineout, Norse, isn't he? He came off the group chat. So I want a few group chats, obviously, because I had a few clubs. Saracen's old boy chat. Yes. Anyone from Chris Chesney's on there, for well, example. Hold on, I play with Ches. Yeah, you're not on Where's there. Where's the invite? Yeah, can you, you, can you get there. me on there? You're not on there. Uh, Ex-player, Saracen's. I'll get you on there. But Borthers came off. He put a message on the fa- on the family chat. Fools. Family, on the group chat. I'm off. Don't think it's right. I should be on here in the lead up. Has he ever given any bant on this? Or was he talking just about not a lot of band? I put a few videos on there. You know the ones where you're watching like like I don't know like an air, like a paper aeroplane try and land somewhere and then that sex noise comes out <laughs> screaming. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and you're in public and you just know you've got people. So I don't know how that's well received, but I'm credible media. Is that, is that all you do? On that's that all I put on that. If I do anything, that's all I put on on any of the group chats. He's come off there, but I, I agree with you in terms of both. It wouldn't want nothing more. But let me just finish in terms of the forwards yeah. one-on-ones 
I know the line out, but in terms of carrying ability, oh. the second row, you've got to say Marrow. with Marrow and they might go with the Zikwe. I don't know. Oh, the other thing, talking about the game, know. and I've got a Zikwe coming off the bench. Unreal. Stealing line outs, turnovers. He was meant to he come was... on the podcast today. That makes me think Could we start? he's going to start it, mm. so he didn't want to come on. Ahead of Swinnow. Some might say it's the right call because of the line out. But man for man, if you yeah. go based on that, there's nothing much in it until you get to the second row. And then the back row, Visa versus Vunapola, and we love Jasper Visa, yeah. but I'd say that Billy's probably the back end of the season playing better than he ever has. I watched, yeah, yeah, he is. He's playing very well, exceptionally well. He's got the bit between his teeth again to not only propel the Saracens to winning the title, but also he wants to be back in the England mix. He's yeah. proven a point. He's had his time. He's probably had a bit of a sulk. He's worked on himself, his game. He looks lean. And my God, the boy can carry hard. And he works hard around the field as well. But I watched Jasper Visa at the weekend. He's unreal, isn't he? Mate, it, it, that, that is a ding-dong that are like-for-like -like players going after each other. And neither of them will take a, a backward step, will they? That's a really hard one to call in terms of who's got the advantage. Probably 50-50, isn't it? I'd it? say 50-50. And then if Benel plays the way that he played at the weekend against... Rafael. Young Rafael, who's very good player, good yeah. over ball. Yeah. He didn't carry like Benel. Yeah. Ben was just mustard, isn't he? At the minute, he's he's unbelievable. Yeah. I think set piece, just if it was a game of set piece, Leicester got the edge. But overall, in terms of ball carrying, Norris and off around the breakdown, all that stuff, Saracens have an edge there, I think. Yeah, they've got more ball carriers, and that's where you win the physical battle. Do you know what Saris need this week? Yeah, here's a, here's a plan for Saracens this week. 10 grand into Jim Hamilton's bank account, get you down the training centre there, and you just dominate. Who, who's their line-out coach? Peely, Ian Peel. He's a prop. Jim, there's a job for you. This week, 10 bags, would you do it? I'd do it for free, mate. Mate, you're Leicester till you die, you said. I mean, what? What? Yeah, but the Borthers won't have me, will he? <laughs> Borthers basically got me at Harry's. You know, it was his choice. Well, I had, do you know Do you know the story that I heard about you signing for Saracens? I don't know how to say this. It's, this Go is on, yes, You've never told me this. This is horrible. I have told you this. Have you? I heard Saracens went down to Montpellier to sign one. Figalo, Figalo, Figalo. And they knocked on the wrong door. They knocked on my door. And it was Jim Hamilton. And they're like, oh, we've come to see Juan Figolo. We're going to sign him. Uh, and Jim's like, well, I fucking hate it here as well. So <laughs> <laughs> That is kind of true. <laughs> that is kind of true. But it was Borthwick who said, look, if you're going to go out there and get anyone, go out there and get, the, get the fucking best. best. Go and get the best. So I owe him a lot. So maybe I wouldn't know. I don't know who I want to win. I th I'm not going to say it. You're going to ask me at the end. But I think the backs, Saracens, I, I, I mean, we... we do we know that Farrell's better than Ford? Yeah, I mean, let's get into that debate about Farrell and Ford. You talk test match animals, you talk big games. It has been like George Ford on the front foot is a wonderful player. I've said it before, big games, you know, when England have played in certain games, he's gone missing a bit. His battle against Farrell physically, he's going to give big numbers down his channel. Tompkins, who's not massive in height and stature, but my God, he's a powerful runner, will go after him like you wouldn't believe. They'll run down his channel. I, I think the big advantage, and this sounds weird saying it, the big advantage is Saracens have Farrell over Ford in terms of game management, being that test match animal at the top level. Farrell's a different gravy. At nine, Alad Davis, really good player, I think. Obviously, Ben Young's will probably start at nine. You know, he's, he's been through a tough time, and he, but he's an international class. You know, on, on form, you might see a big spike in his performance this weekend after, you know, obviously the emotions of what's happened over the last couple of weeks for him. Farrell and Ford, that battle, I think Farrell wins that. I think the one thing, when you talk about backs... Now, you notice Dan Kelly went off injured. They rushed him back. He went off injured early. Obviously, Maroney's in the centres. Who they play in the centres? To me, do you know who they need on their team? If you're playing Saracens, one of, if not the most physical team out there, 
you got 25, 30 stone Nandolo on the bench. I think I think they might play him. You have to start him, I think. You've got Ashy and ex-Saracen. Is he going to start in the final? I think they probably, you might go Porter and Moroni in the centres, which opens up one spot on the wing. Because Harry Potter's on the other wing. I think you need Nandolo. I'd pick him and Ashton on the wings. I probably wouldn't start Harry Potter. You need some a point of difference to beat Saracens, right? Whether that be Ashy's finishing, Ashy's poaching, Ashy doing something. He might do something mad and get sent off. Who knows? Stick Nandolo down Farrell's channel and see how that goes. Who's winning by how much? Saracens by four. Based on stylistically, but I wouldn't be surprised if Leicester win. Based on what we've seen, based on the semi-final, based on the last few years, based on where Leicester have come from, based on a few key positions, 10 being one, you do wonder whether the support that Leicester bring to Twickenham is enough. It's hard to call. Like it's mm. a one-off game. Like I'm not. I'm not sitting on the fence for any other reason than it is hard to call. But I've given you my answer. Deke's ain't going to speak to me. We're meant to be going to Silverstone in a couple of weeks. So if if they win, then it'll be buying the drinks. If not, then I'll be buying the drinks. So <laughs> come on, Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my heart obviously wants Leicester to win. Like Jim said, where where Leicester have got the upper hand, I think it's set piece and you know controlling that territory and allowing it to be a game of set piece, which isn't what people want to see necessarily. But it's a Leicester strength. Scrum and line out are a huge strength of Leicester, I think, over Saracens. Twickenham's a big pitch, right? It's not. Welford Road's a very small pitch in terms of physical size of the pitch. So, you know, that's where set piece becomes more important. On a bigger pitch where there's bigger spaces and you've got physical specimens, that's why I think Leicester needs to pick Nandolo and need to have him causing damage or sucking in defenders. Hart desperately says and wants Leicester. But I think Saracens have too much experience. The difference at 10 is, to me, looking at the game and how Farrell is and the fact that other Test Match animals are there, I think Saracens win by six, unfortunately, Oof. for Leicester and Leicester fans. I'm saying I want Leicester to win and I'll be rooting for Leicester. I hope sod it, Leicester by two. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you, you, want, you want Leicester to win. Who do you, Jim, who do you actually want to win? Because we haven't actually yeah, James. sorted out where your heart is. No, it doesn't matter. I don't want to share that. I've got to say it. Go, go. I want Saracens to say "fuck you." <laughs> that, that's what I, I want Saracens what? to win. I know, and I, look, fuck you. But it's not to, to oh. the world and the police. <laughs> <laughs> and people will hate me for saying that. But you've asked me to be honest. I'm trying. Leicester gave me everything. They gave me everything as a young lad, but not the people that are there now. There's been a lot of changes there. Leicester, you know, are my second team if it comes down to that. Unfortunately, but. It's amazing what a one-bed flat in Luton does, eh? (laughs) (laughs) So bloody lovely. More than a studio. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of active wear. That is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at Viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Should we look at the URC then? Oh, go on. Predictions didn't go too well for us last week. We we'll start with an apology to the Bulls. Yeah, I was going to start with an apology to the Stormers. <laughs> yeah, we but, can come on to that. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I was influ- you're an influenza, Jim. And if you rewind the clock and go back to last week's podcast, when Andy Rowe asked the question, who's winning, Leinster or the Bulls, your line was, it ain't even up for debate. <laughs> Not even up for debate. And you went Leinster by 30. So I was just, I looked at you and you are Mr. URC. You are Mr. Premier Sports, the main man, the go-to man on Tier comms, media. intelligence, <laughs> knowledge of the game. The bookies even went with me. Apparently the bookies <laughs> listened to the podcast and they were like, right, he's saying 30, we're going to say 20, just to cover ourselves. <laughs> so I've gone 28, yeah. So apologies to all the Bulls fans. No one saw it. Who saw that though, honestly? Well, you can and only we go did it. based on them scraping through the week before in extra time yeah. against the Sharks. Again, we weren't bothered about it, I'm bothered. And Leinster, I thought they put a 72 on Glasgow. I played it, <laughs> downplayed it to the point where Danny Wilson got the sack. It was actually 76. We rounded it up to 80. Even without Sexton and a couple of changes. And here's the thing, that's a huge error. Yeah, why was that? Why? I know why it was. Go on then. Well, I think I know why it was. This is Mr. URC talking. That, well, because... So it's not even up for debate. You need to look beyond Sexton. Not in a semi-final, you don't. Not but, in a well, semi-final, you don't, James. Leinster do, though, don't they? Because their evolution is, is they've won the URC or that tournament that they're in that's been changed many times, four years running. Yeah. Really, how important is it to them? Without being horrible, I know... It should be everything every year. Oh, well, you're I, not devaluing the league, but, are you? But the evolution for, the, for their players is to... Play without Johnny Sexton. How do you win? Well, you don't. How do you, how do you win without Johnny Sexton? Because yeah. after the World Cup, he's gone. So no, I get it. And, and, and I suppose the other thing with it, when you look at it, how many games? And this is the big debate. Has around, he played? How many games has he played? Does he deserve to in play? the URC? Mm. And I remember at Leicester years ago, we played in the EDF Cup, right? And what got us to the knockout games was a change-up team. So I don't want to call them a second team, but it wasn't the first-choice team. Effectively, when we got to the knockout games. Pat Howard was the coach. He stuck with those guys who got us there. So in that sense, Ross Byrne has been the 10 that's started the most games in the URC for, for Leinster. And maybe there was a, a little bit of that. Maybe Johnny Sexton didn't train too much. All I'm saying is if you're in a semi or you're in a for final, there isn't a place for sentiment. There isn't a place where, you know, you've helped us get here. You pick your best players and Sexton was on the bench. And I think that was an error. Jim, did the kick go over or not? Stormers game. Of course. <sighs> well, in commentary... He's yeah, missed it. It's over. He's it's over. It. He's missed it. And then silence. It's like the Gary Neville. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. I mean, what a finish. What a game. Yeah. I mean, you'd like to think that the linesmen were in a better position. Assistant referees, please, James. 
Sorry, the assistant referee. Sorry, I'm to get in with these people. Sorry, can you not call them linesmen anymore? No, they're not linos. They are ARs. Are they? Oh gosh. ARs for okay, sure. Well, I do apologise. Just talk us through your thought process. Like, what did you actually see? Like, what was going on? In well, the I saw Leboc, Manny Leboc, not kick well really this season and in the game, thinking, my goodness me, that is a tough kick, and if he doesn't kick it, it goes to extra time, and I've got a flight to get, so he needs to kick it, and the place is going to go wild, and Ulster are going to be out on the 84th minute, and like I said, he's missed it. No, he hasn't. He's got it. <laughs> and he got it. Yeah, one thing I am going to say, though, you talk about the URC, the refereeing team, obviously Mike Adamson, Assistant referees, Sam Grove-White and Adam Jones. And then you've got Ben Whitehouse as the TMO doing my job in the box. It's a semi-final. Now, I know they have, the URC have, have done this thing this year where they have neutral referees, but it's not the best referees, right? It's not the best refereeing team for a semi-final. And there's questions around Mike Adamson. Jim, why are you being horrible about Mike Adamson because he's Scottish? I never have been, but he, without sounding too harsh, I don't want to be too harsh, it felt like he was... Slightly out of his depth at the weekend. And that's the thing, because they go neutral refs, as in you can't have a, mm. a referee from that country. It's not necessarily the best referee and team referee in the game. So I looked at the positioning of the assistant referees with a kick that may have gone over, may have not. And if you look at it, I don't think it was the best. But Ulster fans will be raging. You saw some of the players asking for the TMO. Mm. Mike Adamson was now whistle gone. I've got to get to the airport, get me flight back. Well, Jim, you were commentating. What did you actually make of Ulster's performance? Because it's another semi-final disappointment for them isn't it nail on the head without drawing comparisons to other teams there's a Clermont feel to it they've done all the hard work the tough thing for them is having to go down to the Stormers the travel involved comfortable win against Munster we did wonder whether the travel would have an effect what it didn't for the Bulls on a short turnaround it looked in the game that it did have an effect whether or not it was the conditions the travel Balakun went off with an injury their best player and you could just feel the Stormers coming back into it, but you need to be able to convert. And they did, up until the final play of the game. They were winning it. They got a red card, the Stormers, Smith for a, a kind of... It's all right, mate. You can't be doing that. You can't yeah, be you can't, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to... If someone clips this up and say, it weren't that bad a gouge, it sounds like it weren't that bad. <laughs> but it weren't that bad a gouge, but it's still... You can't red, go near it, though, can you? You can't go near it, no. Yeah. I don't think it was a, a bad gouge, no. if that even bloody makes sense. Mm. So the Stormers really should have been on the ropes after going down to 14 men. But Ulster looked out on their legs. They looked absolutely bollocks by the end of it, for whatever reason, and... Also didn't get trounced physically. I just thought also would have played different and listened to Dan McFarland after. You could see he was like, we, like we blew it in the third quarter of the game. And to lose with the last kick of the game, it would have went into extra time if he hadn't got it, if Lebot would have missed it. I don't know whether Ulster had the legs to be able to see it through, but they were down to 40 men, the Stormers. In terms of the URC, which has been a bit bit part this season, the romantic in people would have potentially liked to have seen a Leinster Stormers final. We kind of thought that might have happened. I backed Ulster. But a, a brilliant, brilliant semi-final. And we see two South Africans in Cape Town. Imagine going there for that would be phenomenal. It would be good. Fair play. Good. Big shout out to two South African teams. Fully deserved on face value. Well, speaking of that last gas win for the Stormers over Ulster, we're going to have a chat now with Stormers head coach John Dobson. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. John, it's been a long time coming. 
I've enjoyed some of the voice note exchanges we've had. Let's just get straight to them final images. I was commentating for the uh, URC Premier Sports at the weekend. You didn't look that bothered when the kick went over. You just, you could have... Did it go over? Came or went. Yeah, maybe that was why. You, you didn't look overly bothered, John. I was trying to look like a soccer... Uh, jokes aside, I was trying to look like a soccer manager when you walked out with a piece of paper and walked <laughs> onto the field like you had a plan for extra time, which had absolutely no plan whatsoever. I actually think, without being arrogant, I actually think on reflection, we actually did quite well as last, as back 10 or 15 minutes, and we probably had them on the ropes. But cheapest, we made it really hard for ourselves, and they're, they're actually a really, really good team. Without the massive names of, say, Leinster, they're a really hard team to play against and break down. I mean, two very narrow wins against them, one very controversial. But on them final images, I, I joked about it just then, but you could see the raw emotion and how much it went to you. And we can have a laugh throughout this because you're one of the great characters of the game. But how big was it for you, the coaching staff, being at home, then knowing you've actually got that game at home and the way that the game went? It just looked like it meant everything. I know it wasn't the final, but nonetheless, it was so big. Well, it's for two, probably for two reasons, Jim. Firstly, is that you know, it's the worst place. You guys will know. I mean, I don't, Scotland have never made a semi-final of anything, but <laughs> you guys would know. Um, the worst place to leave any tournament is the semi-final because you, yeah. you don't even watch the final. That's the truth. But uh, it's so important for us in South Africa to get... I think the British, the British your, your locked, harder lockdown was quicker to get people back in the stadium. And also Cape Town, I mean, you guys have both been here. It's a rugby mad city. It's the dominant sport, unlike you know some area, other areas of South Africa, where if we go and train at some club in the Cape Flats now, some poor club, there'll be three or 4,000 people at our training session. So it's such a big team, and we've been so bad for so long. It was just so important for us to get the people back in the stadium, back in for, for this experience of this final. And that was, that's why it just meant so much to us and the team. So that's probably why you saw the emotion you did. It's huge emotion. I'm, I'm a Stormers fan now. I was an Ulster fan because we've got a lot of fans over there. I've got to ask you, did that conversion go over or not then from your view? Because I'm looking at it. Oh, come on. Yeah, I swear. I did, <laughs> the, they, they, the URC did extend the poll and it is over by all of an amoeba's pube. I don't know. I'm not over by. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's over. Big celebrations afterwards because the emotion's there, but you saw... And you mentioned then around the stadium and fans being in there. I know there's a restriction on only 40,000 people there. Fingers crossed they're going to have a full stadium this weekend. Have the South African government moved a bit and said, yes, you can have full stadium yet? It sounds like it's going to happen. The discussions are ongoing. Like the mayor of Cape Town's written to the president to ask to open up for the experience. So it should because, I mean, there are just so many anomalies when you can sit right, you know, you open up one section, close another section, every shoulder to shoulder. So hopefully it will happen. But, I mean, the atmosphere is just, it's just sick, you know, and the demand for tickets, the, the website crashed today that sells the tickets. I, I must have a three or four hundred requests. It's, 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 it's great. It's great for rugby in South Africa and it's great for, probably good for the URC and maybe not so good for the people in Ireland, but it's great for us. <laughs> <laughs> Ireland and Northern Ireland, if we're being specific. But John, with the URC and... It's been very disjointed over recent years. Pro 10, Pro 12, the Rabble, the Magnus, whatever it, it, it's been called in years gone by. And then there's been a big build-up to having the South African teams in there, disjointed at the back end of the Rainbow Cup last season, COVID at the beginning of the year, and the performance of the South African teams struggled at the initial part for a number of reasons. Now, many people are talking about it myself in the media commentating. It is arguably going to change northern hemisphere urc european rugby do you have a feeling at the helm of one of the best teams in south africa that that's the case and are you happy being in the urc 
Yeah, listen, Jim, we, 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 we're absolutely loving it. I mean, I think we're more naturally aligned to it in some ways as Super Rugby, not just for the cliche reasons of travel. We love the competition of this. I'm mean, the same in the Premiership where everything's a contest, the breakdown, the scrum. It's proper rugby. It's the rugby that wins World Cups. It's the rugby that we so in our DNA. So we're loving it. And I think it'd be good for the URC and now the Champions Cup because everybody's going to have to come better. We're going to have to be better next year to fight on two fronts. We've only fought what Leo Cullen talks about, two fronts. We've only fought on one uh, one front this year. So we'll have to become better. I think it's it's a brilliant competition. And I, I think for us, you know, if we got a chance to play Saracens in Cape Town, that's 56,000 people. Wasps is, you know, 15,000. We'll move the stadium. We'll go to the smaller ground. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're not in it. I'm Leicester till I die now. So Leicester will take you in your stadium and we'll take the points back to Leicester on the way back as well. We absolutely love the experience. And for us to be part of Champions League next year, it's just, uh, well, the Heineken Cup, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to be brilliant. And I think it'd be good for the Northern Hemisphere teams as well because you'll face a different style, different environments. It'd be good for the evolution of rugby, full stop, is my view. Uh, I might be wrong. I can't wait to get out there. I'm going to go out there and commentate it's next awesome. year. It's awesome. Looking forward to it. Let's talk about the game then. Let's go back still to the game against Ulster. The atmosphere was intense. The refereeing was uh, interesting. A few things went against you with Mike Adamson, didn't they? What, what did you think of that? Yeah, we we struggled, we struggled a bit on Saturday. With, look, I don't think when, when Ulster scored their try and the forward pass and our crowd really got stuck into him. There's a rumour, and I, I could be wrong, that he got a brand new coat thrown in the back of his head uh, running the touch for the in the game the week before uh, the Bulls Sharks and so the crowd got stuck into him uh, at, at that and I think our players reacted and the whole thing became messy you know we have to be a bit of discipline because there's too much arms in the air and swearing and shouting ceiling it wasn't a good look by us or the whole game as a product but um, it was quite a frustrating afternoon I must say. Yeah, there were some standout performances. One of the guys we were talking about on Premier Sports and the easy one. But I suppose the momentum's there with how well he played is the young Evan Ruse up against Dwayne Vermeulen. And, you know, Dwayne's been left out of the South African squad now. I don't know what it is about that. But this emerging talent, and I say freak in the nicest way, this young number eight, for people listening to this and who maybe haven't witnessed you play this season, just talk to us a little bit about him. I know there's so many players that played well, but maybe just him specifically now. Yeah, I mean, freak is the right word, Jim. Uh, you know, we've been bargain shopping for a while now because we've got various off-the-field issues here. And we've got this kid in, I mean, he's under 1,100. He's just dominating every set in the, in the, in the URC, whether that's carries or tackles. I think this is going to be, I'm not being, I don't mean too sort of hyperbolic, but I this is going to be a guy, I think it could be a real giant on the international stage with not long to go. You've just called it Springbok's captain, moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to talk him up, but he's going to be the skipper in the summer. Let's talk about one of his big impacts in the game then. I never thought front peels ever worked, right? I, when I played, front peels were shit, but you scored off one. Called banana. Tell me, was it your idea, the front peel, or are you going to claim it's someone else? Very differently, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said to I the coaches, box, surely we're not going to maul here because it's a five-man and, and, and it's a... We want them all halfway. We want them all five yards out. And they said, don't worry, Dobbo, we got this. And so patted me on my head like the sort of, yeah, the ape in the spaceship. So, no, no, it wasn't. It was the forwards coach. We just didn't It was a good move. No, it was really good. Scored off the first driving line out of the game. And I think people listen to this who haven't seen you play or seen any of the South African teams play, that they'll automatically think physicality, scrum, line out drive. And it kind of is a little bit in terms of how you won at the weekend, but the style of rugby that you play has kind of broken the mould of the stereotypical South African play, with all due respect. You play a really expansive style of game. Whose idea is that? Why is that? 
I think we went on tour last year when all the South African teams struggled, and we actually played a really good half against Munster when they were quite well loaded in the in the I think it was our second game on tour. We ended up getting pumped. We sort of saw as we sort of started off low, and I just feel like these teams, and I, I mean this with respect because they do vary within the teams, but a lot of these teams like are system-based, multi-phase teams, and we can't get our hands on the ball. But if we can force them to exit and create chaos, um, we've got some natural talent, you know, whether it's Warwick Lunt, with us, Fussy at the Sharks, Moody at the Bulls. And we, we love that. And it's also the DNA of the rugby in Cape Town. We're not going to be a kick-and-grind, box-kick type team. So it's nice to play that rugby. But just seeing in the URC that they are very, very, very system-based. Both on defence, it's relatively passive but really organized and on attack, uh, they are multi-phase. And if you can turn it over or force them into an exit cycle, there's real opportunity to create magic. Yeah, nice. And talking about styles, it's going to be a clash of styles this weekend, isn't it? You're playing the Bulls in the final. And I'll play for the Sharks, really successful. I was nine games, about three wins. That was about it. But no one likes the Bulls, do they? And there's a bit of rivalry between the Stormers and the Bulls. Clash of styles, completely different in that respect. Talk to me about you and Jake White. You, you like each other or not so much? <laughs> See, the thing is, I don't want to give Jake anything this week to put in the change of rule that Dobbs that Dobbs has said. No, great guy and guy, a well-coached team, and uh, rugby must be the winner. <laughs> no, but um, you know, it's the biggest driver in South African rugby, North versus South, um, English-speaking predominantly era versus Afrikaans. Um, there are a million. I, I'll get myself into trouble, but there are millions sort of areas of contest between the two. So. I, there's going to be a lot of needle, a lot of it in it. And the Bulls are, like, to be fair, to beat Leinster away like that was an absolutely brilliant performance. So, so and we were, you know, we were fairly comfortable against us. <laughs> no, it was tough. Talk to me about something that I've just seen you sip a beer. Now, I played in South Africa. The boys love a door pay. And we had a FaceTime on Friday. You're in the pub. Tell me now that the boys at the Stormers still enjoy a dorp. And a, that's to our listeners, that's a beer in South African. Because I was old fashioned. It was beers most nights. But. These days, it's pretty hard to get these pro athletes to drink, right? Or is it? That, that, that frustrates me because, you know, we know the old cliche of a, of a trophy's never won on a Powerade or Energate. So, um, I, 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 but I've, I'm, I'm breaking through with these kids. Luckily, we got Stephen Kitts of France, Mahoba, you know, those old guys who appreciate that. And Dion Ferry, I don't know if you know him, he's just been announced in the Springbok team at the, at yeah. the promising young age of 35. Amazing. You know, he'll, if we go for a team dinner on a Friday before game, he'll have a beer. No, look, I, th- I think one of the things about the, the Stormers, you know, we may not be the biggest budget team, but these guys clearly play for each other. They really are very good in the pub, and we were good in the pub on Saturday night. My wife says, you haven't got how many team functions this week? Because some of them, yeah, they, they exist. Six. six. Just tell us six. <laughs> <laughs> and there's compulsory talks you have to do, you know what I mean? It's just growing the game, John. But also, you mentioned some of the names of the players there. Some of them are Springboks, some of the old guard. Ebenezer Beth is coming back, obviously, to the Sharks. You'll probably be a bit gutted he's not coming back to you. But what's the appetite now in South African rugby to bring players back? Uh, yeah, look, Ebenezer uh, wasn't physical enough for us. You know, we wanted... <laughs> Arms too small, right? Yeah, we wanted a physical lock, you know, guy that hasn't... But um, uh, it's turning quite nicely. Obviously, your guys kept... Cha- or your guys, I don't mean that. They kept changing a little bit there. South African team's doing... We are, we're, it's incredible how the emails have changed. Before, we were begging for players. Now we're getting agents, UK-based agents, phoning us. So, are you interested? So, so coming back. We've had two English internationals been offered to us in the last Who? year. Who? <laughs> Andy Good. Yes. <laughs> a million rand a week on there. <laughs> no, but it's. It, I think the more equitable that becomes, is good for rugby. That we're not just a mass export of players. Because at one stage it looked like, looked like we could become a South Sea island. You know, we had 400 guys playing professional rugby over there. So that. 
I think it's good for the South African rugby ecosystem and good for rugby. If we're going to be based in the same zone, I'm saying Six Nations, but if we're going to be based with you guys, I think it's important that we're competitive. Oh, you skimmed over it then. Headline question then, out of the box, away from your game at the weekend. There's a lot of talk up here around the potential to South Africa join the Six Nations. Do you see it as an inevitability following on from Europe or do you think it's just a bit of hope? Look, the... I'm not kicking for touch because it doesn't matter what I think. But I, I don't know. The problem with the URC and possibly the Champions League at the moment, if our seasons, maybe you guys have mentioned this, don't get aligned that we haven't got guys away during the rugby championship. Yeah. You haven't got guys away during, like, we play you guys in February. We played, I can't remember, uh, a team from Scotland. Or, uh, they're, um, without, their, <laughs> without their internationals. The alignment, the only way the alignment happens is us joining the Six Nations and this proper club season. So... Maybe it's inevitable, but uh, yeah. Uh, look, I, uh, to me, to us, it's attractive because I think the Gulf, maybe to New Zealand and Australia's distress, uh, uh, that's what we hear, is getting bigger between us and them, and it's more becoming more us and Europe, which is how we're gravitating at the moment. And is that what you want? Would you, your preference, be that as a coach of the Stormers and potentially involvement in Springboks one day? <laughs> we'll get you the job. I'm too loose to ever to be involved in that level. But uh... Hang on, John, I'm going to stop you there. You did see the video that Rassi posted last week. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. <laughs> That's a tough one for me because I love the tradition of the Six Nations. If there could be some other structure, I don't know, there's a hybrid structure. You, know, you never want to take away from the Six Nations. But uh, I mean, Six Nations is my favourite tournament to watch in the world by mile. It seems like our whole rugby sort of trendy word ecosystems gravitating north, so maybe it is inevitable. John, then last question just before you go. Big game at the weekend. Genuinely, how excited are you that there's another South African team? Is there a part that wishes it was against Leinster because everyone thought that, or for the growth of the game to see two South African teams and you being at home? How big occasion is it going to be? Look, for, for, from a South African point of view, it's mental. I do think for the URC, it'd be great if there's one Northern Hemisphere and one Southern Hemisphere team. Yeah, that would probably be better for the longer term and the acceleration. But in terms of rugby in South Africa and selling the URC to South Africa, this is absolutely massive. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Who, who have you guys got winning, by the way? Oh, yeah, mate, you guys. Mate, I was just about to say, now, Stormers, we're, we're huge Stormers fans now, obviously. Uh, what's the hashtag? What do we need to go with? Hashtag Stormers always, or what is it? Hashtag I am a Stormer. That's pretty, that's what they There we go. I'm a Stormer. Hashtag. Hashtag Boom. I am. But we'll jinx you. So if we say the ball's to win, then you're going to win by 20. But genuinely, good luck, John. It's been class to have you on, mate. Really good. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for coming on, mate. Legend. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm legend. One. Yeah, legend. And le we can go at one. A bloody, bloody enjoy chatting to him. I, I feel like... I'm saying that I've known him for 10 years. Just I say haven't. best mates with him now. Well, thoroughly engaged in human being. Yeah. And you talk about the growth of the game, right? And I'm not saying that Borthwick isn't. I'm not, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I think it's important that we get characters like that come and talk about rugby. He's in the bloody final yeah. at the weekend yeah. of the URC. Yeah. And he's coming talking to us. He's got a beer in hand. Yeah. Smile on his face. Fucking good on him. Yeah. Brilliant. But I had a FaceTime with him, actually, and we've got to give a shout-out to Howie. Howie Khan, who works for Adidas in South Africa. Uh, he used to work at Leicester back in the day, didn't he, in the media side of it. Friday afternoon, a FaceTime comes through from Howie, and it's John on the other end of the line. Big, bold head on him, shining like anything, just drinking a beer in a pub. So, uh, yeah, great bloke. I'm now a Stormer. I, I am, am a Stormer. I am. Hashtag, I am a Stormer. I'm just going to put it I out there. I am a Stormer. Let's get it out there. Let's get it trending. Should we get your predictions now, then, for the URC? I am a stormer, hashtag. No, listen, it's it's at Cape Town. You know, we just heard from John then. It's it's going to be a sellout, hopefully, if the, the government see sense. And he said the tickets have just blown up. And I don't think people over here, I played over there, right? The equivalent 
of what they're going through at the minute is Man City, Man United walking through Manchester or Liverpool. And you see the connection that those football teams have in our country. Rugby there is a religion and it is everything to them. Jim, you've spent loads of time there. And Cape Town will be unbelievably buzzing this weekend. A 58,000-seat stadium, there'll be 50,000 people sporting the Stormers. Clash of styles, I don't care about Clash of Styles. I'm, I'm with him. If, if he's my coach, I'd lose 20k and I'd, I'd be back playing again because you'd want to play for him, wouldn't you? Exactly that. Stormers by five. Yeah, I, I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to predict I've embarrassed myself. Contrast to Styles, like Goody said, and I say that for people who haven't watched Stormers, my goodness me, they can play a bit of code out wide. Willem Sir, Chalant at 15, Zass, um, you know, Libok at 10. They've got a contrast in style compared to what we saw with the Bulls, just absolutely physically dominating Leinster. I think they're at home. Obviously, the Bulls have got travel. Not that that's a factor, but maybe the fact that they've travelled from South Africa to Dublin, waited around to see what the result was, to then go away from home again, albeit back in South Africa. Everything's pointing now towards the Stormers. Stormers finished above them in the URC. But, I mean, it's going to be, it's a final. It's a one-off game. Without stating the obvious, I think the Storm is just. You mentioned before the interview, we talked about the referees. How much of an impact is the refereeing going to have in this game? Well, luckily, they've just kind of got the best. They've got the best option of a neutral referee. In fact, he's probably the best op- operator in that league. Andrew Brace. Get your braces out. Get your braces out. He loves a tight shirt. He loves a brown brogue with his tight shirt and his tight jeans. He's a good guy. Good referee as well, Andrew Brace. So luckily he's got the final. Yako Piper is assistant referee. Listen, they've got the best guy doing it and uh, hopefully it won't have an impact and hopefully we can only be saying positive things about Andrew Brace as we always do on this podcast <laughs> next week. Do we? Right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's start off with the good then. We're going over to France to begin with and Bordeaux spanked Racing. They got three quick tries to blitz Racing in the second half and won their barrage game, 36 points to 16 at home. Anton Dupont and Toulouse staying in France. They were outstanding. They won pretty comfortably against La Rochelle in the other barrage game. It looked like a tight scoreline, James. It was only two points in it, but La Rochelle scored two tries in the last two minutes, so it was a foregone conclusion. Didn't matter, they won Europe. They did. So, yeah, fantastic work by Toulouse and Bordeaux. Uh, what else was good? Don't write off a South African team, Jim. I will never again, I promise. Your motto on here is, if in doubt, sign a South African. So now it's, if in doubt, back a South African team because you influenzaed a lot of people in saying that Leinster would put 30 points on the balls last week. But you cannot write South African teams off at all. We predicted that Leinster and Ulster would be in the final, uh, but it's Bulls and Stormers, so what do we know? Fantastic work for them. I think it's going to be an epic final. Uh, what else was good? Ben Earl, he got named Premiership Player of the Season in the week, and he scored a hat-trick in the semi-final. Hell of a player, hell of a performance. He gets a mention in the good this week. Obviously, Saracens get a mention for their win in the semi-final, as do Leicester Tigers. They're going to get a mention in the good, and actually, as it's my old club, both my old clubs, actually, I can't give it to Saracens. I'm going to give it to Leicester. They're top of the table after every round in the regular season. They did a job on Northampton at the weekend in the semi-final, so they're now back in the Premiership final for the first time in nine years, so they get the good this week. The bad, we're going to start off with Leinster. Got to stick them in the bad. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember that ever happening. No, Let's do it. it doesn't happen very often, if ever. But they had 70% of the territory in the game against the Bulls in the semi-final. But mistakes cost them dearly. They didn't pick Sexton. 
Uh, it's going to be the first trophyless season for them since 2017. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a shock for the Leinster fans. Uh, what else was bad? Most yellow cards ever in a Premiership semi-final in the Saracens versus Quinns game where there's four yellow cards. That's a bit of bad news, but it was hell of a ding-dong, wasn't it? It was. But the bad this week is going to go to one of my old clubs, James. Brief? Nope. Sharks? Newcastle? Nope. Shocking this year? Nope. London Irish? No, didn't no, play for them. right, actually. Well, it ain't Saracens. Wasps? Nope. Not delivering. No. Not the ones who I predicted to make Europe in Worcester. <laughs> yes. What's happened? Oh, there's a few issues there. Players reportedly weren't paid, uh, and they're now considering legal action against the club. So uh, a bit of stress there. Worcester Warriors not paying the players. Apparently, Steve Diamond's trying to fix it by flogging things out of the back of a car. But uh, yeah, a bit of bad news coming out of Worcester. Some of the players didn't get paid, so Just they're going to get the bad this week. Hopefully he doesn't sell the dog. <laughs> Love that dog, if it's still about. Yeah, definitely. There's also a bit of sad news that we're going to put in this section this week. Lost two very important people from the world of rugby. We spoke about earlier, firstly, the passing of Tiff Young's, uh, the wife of Tom Young's, earlier in the week. Um, so our condolences go out toward the Young's family. But also the loss of a legend, Phil Bennett, a legend of Welsh rugby. He passed away earlier this week so uh, very sad news and both deserve uh, a mention and our thoughts with everyone that's involved with their families and everything like that absolutely Hero. Uh, ugly few bits of ugly Andy Rowe what we're going to your team oh. Pablo Matera sent off he bloody loves oh. it he? he loves he it he absolutely loves a card three yellows in the last two should weeks. have been red banned I mean well no he got sent off for two yellow cards in the first half of the Crusaders win over the Chiefs uh, and it's not the first time he's been in trouble this season but He's free to play in the final because that's just what they do. They're just, yeah. Kiwis, they're like, yeah, it's fine. He can play. Yeah, it's okay. There we go. So he gets a mention. The ugly this week, though, goes to, unfortunately, it's got to go to a stormer. We mentioned it earlier. Audrey Smith, who made contact with the eye area of Ian Henderson in the Stormers' victory over Ulster. Uh, he's got a bit of previous, too, because he got banned for eight games earlier in the season for biting Munster's Nile Scannell. So, oh, um, no. Yeah, he could, uh, could be in a bit of trouble there. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I got a big shout-out to Tom, who's cycling over 2,000 kilometres in July from London to Madrid. It's in memory of his brother, Hugo Yaxley, who unfortunately died in a car crash in 2020, and his aunt as well, the actress Helen McCrory, who died of cancer six months later. The ride caps off 18 months of fundraising in their memory with some incredible individual efforts, including Tom's cousin, Helena Russell, running from Bristol to London, They've raised over £100,000 for four great charities, which are Place to Be, which is Children's Mental Health, Dorset and Somerset Air Ambulance, Hampshire and Isle of Wight Air Ambulance, and HVH Arts. And if people want to know more and how they donate, they can go to rideforhugo.co.uk. Yeah, and a big shout out as well to somewhere from your area of the world, Andy Rowe. Oh, you're giving me a lot of air time today. Yeah, not Auckland. The Nomads. Uh, in Christchurch, Nomads Rugby Club, Christchurch in New Zealand, they have a massive game against their arch rivals, the Crocs. I mean, Nomads against the Crocs. Mm. Who's called the Crocs? Absolutely garbage the Crocs are, but come on the Nomads. Uh, a massive shout out goes to Mustang Kite, who is the coach and son of Rick. That ain't his name. Apparently. Mustang Kite. Yeah, Imagine Mustang Kite. Imagine being that old Jim. What Jesus. a nurse. Apparently they both don't mind a bit of a nuzzle. The game is also being organised and ran by Super Steve Apes. Big Benny Cartwright, Chrissy M, and Chrissy oh, Webster. Sound like I DJs. know some of those boys. No, they don't know you, Andy Rose. So I know go. them. I know <laughs> you're drinking they don't buddies. Know you or me. They probably know me. <laughs> oh, good bunch of lads. Go on the Nomads. And very lastly, the MLR playoffs and finals are coming up over the coming weeks. So you can watch them all live and for free on the rugbynetwork.com. So go and check that out. 
Thanks, Security. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spod. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod. Uh-huh.